Hey guys, welcome to Tavern of Discourse. I'm your host, Oscar, and in this episode, we will be talking about DMing and what goes into DMing. Um, we will have a logo soon, just a couple things before we get started. Uh, I've been talking to some people, and we'll be switching from the stock photo I have up currently. <laughs> I know, really, really sad day. I know y'all are going to miss that. Um, also, the trailer you heard sucked. I've heard a lot of things about that, so please disregard that, and we can just start from here. Uh, that being said, those are the two things I was getting out of the way. Um, let's raise a glass to my very good friend Cyrus. Welcome to the tavern, a.k.a. my bedroom. Uh, yeah, welcome, man. Hey, happy to be here on the podcast and to be hanging out with a good friend. Sweet, sweet. So you have a podcast also with our other roommate. You want to pimp your podcast real quick that's right we don't have any recordings just yet but we're gonna get it started up soon uh you'll be able to find it under vaguely ethnic boys mm. it's uh two people who wear uh, a lot of basic white girls would say something along the lines of um where are you from <laughs> i i love it i love it um yeah, so that's barely ethnic boys. Awesome. Vaguely. Awesome. Vaguely, excuse me. You know, I can't I can't hear tonight. We're only recording at eleven o'clock, so let's let's do this. So, um, since this is a tavern, Cyrus, what are you drinking this evening? So we're drinking uh some Cincinnati made cider guys, semi dry hard cider. But personally, I like to think that if we were in a D and D world, like a conventional one. This is probably like an elvish drink because like the, the, the dwarves like to drink the hard ale and the humans like to drink their beer. But the elves, they like wines and, you know, they're kind of fancy schmancy kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, for sure. For sure. Shout out to that. Um, well, let's get started. So for some of our listeners who may not know what Dungeons and Dragons is, why don't you go ahead and explain kind of the role of a DM or like... What a DM does. So from my experience, you're going to hear a different, a slightly different definition from each DM. Uh, from my experience as a DM, it's the person who brings the story together, helps the flow of the game. They usually understand the rules a little bit better than most of the players. Um, and what they do is they kind of create the, uh, the blueprint of the story. It's kind of like this is what's going on and then you put the pieces in there. And then the players get to act it out from there, and then you get a finished result at the end. Mm. Solid, solid. Um, so you say different DMs would say different things. Like, so you have a certain style, yeah. of DMing. So there's this kind of a older conventional style of kind of the three point five first edition kind of guys. Uh, even a lot of like modern Pathfinder guys I've seen, where it's like super hardcore combat focused. I enjoy role-playing. I enjoy stories. I grew up reading lots of books, of course, because I was sure. a pretty lonely kid. Um, but I really enjoy just being able to sit around with a group of friends to relax and have fun while playing. Okay. And you've seen that firsthand. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, my style is just relaxed, and I just want people to be able to have fun with me while we're hanging out. I respect that. I respect that. Okay. Yeah, you're not... You're not too stressed when you're DMing. I really enjoy being in your campaign a lot. Um, you really bring it to life. And I especially love when you just scream at people, roll for initiative, because we forget all too often. 
And that's one of the points we're actually going to go over later. But for now, um, you're really, really busy because, you know, I live with you. I know how busy you are. Um, how many campaigns are you currently in? So I'm running three groups. Going to start running a fourth one uh, the day after this recording. So I'm running three fifth edition games. Um, one of them is the third version of Tolaro, okay. which was the original campaign that I DM'd back in 2015 or 2016 now. Um, and then I have, that's your group, you know, we have the Conquest Paladin, <laughs> the Space Ranger. <laughs> uh, it's wild. It's, it's a lot of so fun. wild. Can't forget the Changeling Gunslinger. Um, and then I have... Uh, in my other homebrew world, the one that I'm currently working on and trying to improvise and uh, revise all the time, Hualidi, which is like a Polynesian world, um, and there I, I run two other groups, a monthly and a bi-weekly. That's a lot of D&D, son. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's a great game, and you are very good at what you do. So is it ever overwhelming? Do you ever feel overwhelmed as a DM? Or like, how do you deal with the stress of creating these worlds? Yeah, I had to take a break uh, about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than that, when one of the players took over in our Tolaro campaign, mm -hmm. and it really gave me a lot of energy to start creating again and kind of just get back into the spirit. How I deal with it now is I just remember how much I do enjoy being a DM, because it's, it's great, because you have constant stimulation, constant interaction with people, and then you just get to see your friends have fun mm -hmm. with like what you have created together as like a group of friends and i will say some of your worlds are absolutely amazing <laughs> uh the current world we're doing but uh, you want to talk a little bit about the uaa yeah <laughs> so this is a third part in three different campaigns <laughs> the first one it's called they're called tolaro but they're not really tolaro anymore that really makes no sense i realize of course yeah we had a medieval campaign and then we did a prequel where it was like uh Kind of like Bronze Agey, maybe late Bronze Agey, early Iron Age. And now we're in the Victorian era, which is a follow-up, same God, same everything. Um, and what I started with in this world, the first nation I created, I said, you know, one of my favorite um, kind of countries in history is World War I Germany to study. I'm a big history buff, and I love to study World War I Germany because it's just right after Otto von Bismarck leaves... And you can just start to see things start to go down <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so I created the UAR, which is the Unendlich Adlerreich, which if you were to translate it, is not actually a Nazi saying, but sounds like it should be one. Uh, the Unending Eagle Empire. And it is, uh, the leader of this empire is Kaiser Amelie. Amelie. Um, and she, there's a lot of mystery around who she is in the campaign, so I can't say too much with one of my players here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my character is best friends with her. We like this now, so... It's you know. true. You <laughs> promised her truths. That's like your favorite thing in the world. Uh, but she's very powerful. Um, one of my players, Dom, uh, kind of brought up a good point. It's like, why are so many leaders in D&D &D weak? Mm -hmm. And for a while, I was like, because it's funny. But now I'm like, well, actually, she's a level 18 fighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, she, can, she can do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Side note, our last uh, 
campaign actually last week, wasn't she excited to behead people with great swords and things like that? Yeah. I just found that so funny that she took so much joy out of that. I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a joy thing. Maybe I miscommunicated that, but it's definitely something that she does because it's honorful. Oh, so she's more honored than yeah. shit like that. It's like the okay. uh, first episode of Game of Thrones. Where Ned Stark is like, you know, the man who passes the judgment should be the one who cuts the heads down, which is really ironic when you get to the last episode of the season. <laughs> Rip Ned Stark. Um, oh, oh, spoilers. Spoilers for all you people who have never seen Game of Thrones. You're late. You're ten years late. Let's all calm down. Um, all right, so that's enough about the UAR. We don't want to spoil too much for your players who are going to be listening to this later on. Uh, do you enjoy DMing more or playing more? It's hard to say. Um, just because of the past few years, I have been focused on DMing more than anything. I think I do enjoy DMing more. There's kind of um, a joy to creation, mm-hmm. I think. There's this whole idea of, like, I am the creator of this. And when you get to see people in it, it just brings you such joy. Um, but the times I do play, I, they always stick out to me, of course. <laughs> Good, good. Uh, what was your favorite character to play, speaking of playing? And I'm talking class, and then which campaign was that from? Because you said you're in a lot of them, so I'm sure one or two stuck out. It's definitely a tie. Ooh. So the first one would be the one that you're familiar with, uh, Joe Bajo. I'm so tired of this character. The wizard <laughs> lizard. Uh. Um, and I really like the concept for him, because he was a wizard lizard, of course. Do you um, want to give the the folks at home the inspiration to Joko <laughs> Basho or Of course. I was on a I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and I was like, what if I just made a wizard lizard that was Joseph Joestar? And so he's like, Oh my god! The next thing you're gonna say is My God, what have I done by having you on this podcast? Ah. Everyone watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Shout out. <laughs> um, but he was really cool because sometimes I get kind of bored of this idea of a wizard as someone who just studies their whole life. But I don't like the idea of a sorcerer sometimes for a lot of characters where it's just like, you've been endowed with magical gifts. And it's like, that's cool. I wanted to find a good middle ground. So Joe Kabajo, of course, is raised by his tribe where only the sons of the chief get to learn magic. Right. Of course, he has 18 sons. So all mm. of his magic is survival. It's a lot of, like, deception, illusions, fast damage spells, AoE spells where they get, like, a lot of animals at once that are smaller. Right. Um, yeah, I loved playing him, especially after he got cursed <laughs> with the axe. Oh, that was a fun time. So, in the campaign that we were running, um, JoJo over here picked up an axe without detecting magic or anything and was cursed when he used the axe, he went insane, and it was, it was a fun time. It was I, a really fun time. I one v one another melee class person without using any magic. I mean, you did, and that was very impressive. But it was, it was a fun time. It really, really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, shout out Amir. I would say the second favorite character is Rough Rider. Uh, I don't think I've ever told you too much about Rough Rider. No, I am unfamiliar with this. So I had a friend named Michael who was running a 3.5 campaign, and he was like, you know, use whatever homebrew you want as long as it's not overpowered. And I was like, sick. Hell yeah, looking forward to it. So I made Rough Rider. He's um, an anthropoid uh, canine 
which okay. means he's a he's a dog person. Mm. And so Rough Rider was a lawful good boy, and he just went around doing good things and fighting things. It's like uh, he was from a continent that was sunk, that had dog people. Aww. Yeah, so he was the last of his species. Poor babies. Yeah, but he was a good boy, and I loved playing him because I could just be like, like I'm getting excited. My tail is wagging. It's like this dog in full, this German Shepherd in full armor, just his tail is wagging. He's like, there's another dog over there. So his alignment was good boy, not just lawful good. Lawful good boy. Ooh. Yeah, he's a very good boy. Good, the best boy. Um. So, we talked a little bit about this earlier. You've shown me several times um, how you build a map. But I am curious, like, how long does it take you to build that world? And what is the software that you use or would encourage other DMs to use for world building? Um, two softwares I'd recommend. Uh, the first one's going to be a shop. Google Paint or Microsoft Paint. Okay. It just allows you to make basic shapes. You can kind of outline stuff easily. Um, if you're good enough at art. Go ahead and just draw it out. Have a good time with it. But personally, I use Incarnate Pro. Okay. Which is a uh, software that lets you place items and layers, add your own stuff to it. And it just allows a lot of simplicity Mm -hmm. so that you can make it complex. Okay. Um, For how long it takes me to make these maps and these worlds. (sighs) (laughs) Take your time. (laughs) I've sunk probably around... 28 to 32 hours in Hualidi alone, creating lore and gods and the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's crazy. So I, I guess my question, so about 32 hours, you say? So how long do you take, like, in a day to do that? Like, if you sat down and was like, I'm going to work on this today, how long would you say you commit to building per hour? I'd say two to three hours. Okay. When I really sit down, you get really uh, get really lost when you do that, and that's when my worst work comes out, where it's just like stuff that makes no sense even in a magical world. Right now, do you draw inspiration from mythologies that we have, or like do you draw from like the player's handbook? Like, where do you get your idea for your deities? So in the Tuara world, there's Paylor, of course, and the Raven Queen, and that's kind of like traditional stuff. I'll add whatever god I think needs to be there. Okay. Um, but personally, for Hualidi, it is semi-based off a lot of Polynesian mythology, because that's where I drew inspiration for the world itself, mm-hmm. um, even from the movie Moana, where like the, uh, the island that the players are playing on is actually physically the goddess. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. For, and I was like, you know, every god, I think, to some extent, needs a counterpart. Uh, evil or neutral counterpart, if they're good. And so her son, her firstborn son, is another island that's a god. Which, of course, makes sense. They're both primordials. Of course. Um, But honestly, I think there's a lot of really good places if you're really trying to build your own mythology. Great YouTube channel to look into uh, would be WebDM. Okay. They're kind of old school guys who focus on role playing. Tons of videos. (laughs) I also hear Critical Role is really good for character development and things like that. So wouldn't it be good for... Do they do deity stuff? Because I'm not on their channel that often. (laughs) From what I've listened to, I'm pretty far into season two. I'm not caught up. But from what I've listened to, they talk about deities a lot. It sounds like they've made custom ones, which is really cool. Um, And I think for the most part, you should try to make your own deities. Mm -hmm. Or leave open space for players to have their own deities. I always leave... 
open space in my maps or I'm willing to make new islands or whatever for players and new gods because it's like, oh, like, I see you have these gods, but do you have a god of grass? And say, no, I don't have a god of grass. Well, I want that. And it's like, make a concept for me, get it all down, we'll talk about it. That was really interesting about Amir's campaign, going back to when you played the wizard character. He had a god of a lake. And it was just, no one, I, I, I played D&D years ago with some people, and that concept never really happened. You know, you had your pantheon, and that was it. So I think these minor gods, or like the trickster gods that you <laughs> like to do, oh, are, are really, really interesting. And I gotta say, it's a lot of fun seeing what deities you come up with, because these little patch deities you have are just mwah, beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. With Amir, when it came to that, he really drew from a lot of Eastern mythology. And I thought that was really cool, because... Not to sound like that guy, I guess, but a lot of D&D and stuff is very Western. Mm-hmm. So it's like dragons, and there's like gods who are like good all the time. and But like it's not too complicated. It's kind of like, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Right. But when you like, I mean, if you look at my stories, uh, <laughs> I have the well-endowed god. He's the god of fertility, oh, god. and he drags his, uh, I don't know how PG to keep this, I guess. But... Yes, please keep it PG. My... My mom is going to listen to this later. So. He drags his member <laughs> on the ground, and that's how fertility sprouts up. Like That's how like plants and stuff get naturally bloomed up. Or if you want to make a sacrifice to him, you're going to need a pig's head, half a pound of honey, and two pounds of oakwood wood. <sighs> wow. Just... I don't... I'm afraid to ask, but I'm going to. Uh, where did the inspiration for this god come from? Um, I was sick and tired of just having a hot fertility goddess. Oh. Of like, it's like, I'm the goddess of fertility, and my boobs are huge. And it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. Like, boobs are fertile. But also, like, there's a male component to fertility. Mm -hmm. And I really like the weirdness of it, where it's like, we pray to Bob the (laughs) well-endowed. He will bless my spurt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god okay yep hey we have another question um but yeah no that's really cool i i like your imagination like i said as i said earlier it's just been a great joy getting to sit under you dming because of the creativity and the time you put into your deities i think that's really sweet man um here's a fun question um uh, not having to do with dming i'm just personally curious <laughs> How many dice do you own? And then we'll we'll make this a two-parter. How many dice would you encourage new players to get? Hmm. I probably own 54 to 58 dice. Not too many compared to a lot of other DMs. If you're a new player, two sets. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some point you're going to be dealing a lot more damage than you are now. It's always better when you just have 2d6 or... Uh, especially if you're a wizard when you have spells that do uh, 8d6 of damage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like JoJo. <laughs> I'm going to do 8d6 of damage to everything over there. Why? Because I can. Because <laughs> it's a fourth level spell, baby. Uh, that, was my, that was my fireball. Um, yeah, 54 though. So dice are expensive. So how much do you think you've spent on dice? 
According to uh, my rights as an American, I'm going to choose not to answer that question. No, I'm just kidding. You're pleading the fifth. Okay. I'm just kidding. So, um, so it's quite a bit. You can buy a bulk set of Amazon, a box set of dice on Amazon, about 10 packs for 13 bucks. And I've done that. No, that's not bad. A lot of times. Yeah, and I also, whenever I get a new player, I mean, you know this, I buy him a set of dice. Shout out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> It's a nice way to where it's like, hey, I want you to be here, mm-hmm. and I want you to not have to borrow my dice, because all of mine have special meanings when I roll each one. Are you listening, other DMs? You should be nice to your players and buy dice. <laughs> yeah, but if, they, if you do that, they should buy you food. <coughs> okay, moving on. See, we'll, we'll talk about that later, after we're done recording. Um, <laughs> so, um, I guess... What other games do you enjoy in the fantasy genre? Um, not just that, but overall. Like, um, I know that you're working on a game. I don't know how much I can say about it, but I, uh, I was going to ask you towards <laughs> the end anyway. Like, this So you're game. asking from like video games to tabletop RPGs? Correct, like, yes. So I'll go ahead and start with video games because that's kind of like the one everyone loves. <sighs> Top three video games of all time when it comes to role-playing or fantasy games. Fallout New Vegas. Mm. Oblivion. <laughs> Woo! I'm a big fan of Oblivion. <laughs> and then The Witcher 3. Um, all these games offer a lot of freedom. Even with Witcher 3, where it's like you play a guy. Like, you're not just like in Fallout New Vegas or Oblivion, where it's like, I'm gonna be, a ha- I'm gonna be an elf. Why? I want to. It's like, no, it's like you're Gerald. But Uh-oh. There's... Hold on, the police are coming. We're gonna give them a minute. Everybody, listen. All right, they didn't catch us. We're safe. Go ahead, Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those games offer a lot of freedom, and I just really enjoy big open-world games where you walk down the street and there's like, I'm a guy. It's like, what are you doing here? Story stuff. It's like, oh, cool. I was really into that. That was fun. And it's like, it makes the world feel alive. So before I talk about my own project, I want to highlight two really good tabletop role-playing games where if you don't want to invest so heavenly, so heavily, heavily, oh, yeah, words, words are hard. I DM so much. <laughs> You'd think I'd be better at talking. Um, but if you don't want to invest as heavily as you do in a D and D, where you gotta buy like three books at least, and then dice, and then you gotta get paint, you gotta get all this stuff, blah blah blah. Try out Monster of the Week, okay, and or Quest. So these games they require way less dice. And they're really just more focused on role-playing than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just started playing Quest tonight with a group of friends. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm playing... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, I'm, my character's name is John Stamos. And the year is 2019. I'm already done. <laughs> Mike, I'm a magician from the future, the year 3982. And I can't talk too much in case one of the other players here, because there's a lot of secret stuff, of course. Secrets. But he's he, he went into the past for uh, tourism and stuff, you know? I mean, mm. He's really relaxed and chilled out, and he's like, oh, you guys are getting up to no good and fighting cults? They're like, yeah, that's what we're doing. He's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I always find it so fascinating in fantasy games, like... Um, when your character has a motivation, and I don't mean to cut you off, we'll get back to it in a minute, but when your character has a motivation, like, individually, like, my warlock that horribly died, Rip. Both. Both <laughs> warlocks, let's be honest. Um, you know, his motivation was to cure madness, and then you kept making bad things happen because I just wanted to stay in the city. So I guess um, 
just a little micro question real quick, and then we'll get back on the topic at hand. What do you do when a player uh, wants to, like, fulfill their own character's ambitions versus your idea for the party? The first thing I would do if they're pressing that much for it, where it's, like, multiple sessions, because we had only done two sessions at this point, Mm -hmm. and you walked up to a place you knew was armed. Oh, God, here we go. Um, The first thing I would do is I'd talk to them, I'm like, hey, look, this game isn't just about you. Right. This game is about the party... I want to help you move your story forward just <laughs> as much I want to move uh, X person and Y person's story. Let's talk about what we can do about that, but also let other players have the spotlight. If they keep pushing and it leads to dumb decisions, <clears throat> you let them face the consequences. How many dumb decisions have I done, Cyrus? <laughs> See, you had, what, two characters die in four sessions? <laughs> I'm good at D&D, I swear. <laughs> but no, it's like... Um, you think about building a D&D world, kind mm. of. Why would it be less harsh than the real world in some aspects? Don't get me wrong. Uh, a lot of people use D&D for escapism and right. power fantasy, and that is definitely a good case for it. But if you walk <laughs> up to an armed gate with 30 men with guns, and they're like, leave, and then you cast Banish on one of them, <laughs> are they not supposed to shoot and- you? And then you forget that you know Misty Step, you know, as you fall prone and are about to die. As they each take a multi-shot <laughs> at you. <laughs> Rip. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's more of just communication. I think that's one of the things that, uh, I think we're talking about this later. Uh, sure. I guess we'll wait for them, but communication is key. Okay, for sure, for sure. Like I said, that was an earlier point, and I totally glossed over it, but uh, back to our tabletop. So you like Quest. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Now, do you want to talk a little bit about your project? I want to say one more thing about Quest, because I was reading through the the guide, Mm -hmm. the guide's guide. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a DM, they have a guide. Okay. And they had the really cool stuff on world building and simplicity, and I had this thought earlier and forgot to say it sure oftentimes when so when i talk about building worlds i have a lot of experience with it now and so i can just kind of delve into it and make a world okay Um, and i really enjoy doing that if you are a new dm Mm -hmm. they have a really good point in there you start off with a location and two landmarks or two points of interest village mountain warehouse bam you have two to three quests right there let the world grow naturally let your characters um, decide what the world is like. Kind of learn with the players. Yeah, and then it's that way. It's not when it's like, you know, this mistake I make a lot where it's like, this character's in the military of one of the largest nations <laughs> in the world and they don't know about a thing and I'm like, that's my bad. I'm sorry. I built the world really densely and so yeah. sometimes I forget to tell you a lot. And that's fine. Like, that happens. It's not a big deal. Right. Um, But it's great because you get to build the world together mm-hmm. and then it feels like everyone contributed. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this. Oh, are we getting into... Okay, getting so into not it. to triangulate where we are in the world. We're in Seabus. Woo. We're uh, Columbus. We're, we're in Columbus, Ohio. Just letting everybody know now because it's in the name. So uh, I don't want to talk about too much about it. Sure. Because... Give us a sneak peek, though. Give you a sneak peek. So the zombie fad is pretty much over. I yeah. think we can all agree on that, but... There's just still, like, this thing that if you were to ask someone, like, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse, they get really excited. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I would go here and do that. And so one night, 
my friend McClob was like, hey, I'm working on this thing. You're a really good DM. Do you want to work on it together? And I was like, yeah, of course. I would lay down my life for you anyways, so let's do it. You're talking about, um, you know, sometimes I see in other zombie role-playing games, mm-hmm. the characters are so strong. Right. It's like, where's the fun in that? Like, I want the grit. This is the real survival game. And so it's based in Columbus. Mm-hmm. We're using we're using a lot of stuff right now that like we're not going to use once we publish the game, of course. Okay. But you can walk down to um, rallies on Hudson, or <laughs> you know, and you could like scavenge for food there. Like that's the whole basis of the game. We'll probably have to change a lot of names. And your order will still be wrong. Let's be yeah, honest. But it's yeah. rallies. You pay two dollars. <laughs> Let's not get over our heads here. Uh. Um. But yeah, so it's meant to be a more gritty, realistic game. Mm-hmm. I'll say the biggest thing about it that might excite a lot of people, there's no classes. Ooh, everyone get excited! <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound like something to get excited for, I'd say, normally. But you get to choose. Are you a pseudo-healer tank scout? <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say about it for now. Okay. We're just entering testing for it again. Um, and definitely keep an eye out for it for some time here because uh we're gonna have a lot of fun with it once we really try to release it Ooh, maybe we can get a one shot on the channel mm. you know uh oh we could are you thinking what i'm thinking i'm thinking what you're thinking Ooh, <laughs> but i'm not sure it actually works as a one shot so maybe we'll do like uh we can do a parter we can we can discuss that later maybe we'll just this was not in my notes we'll drop like 30 <laughs> minutes of it into each <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, yeah, so I just wanted you to pimp this thing you are working on. I know you got to keep it hush-hush because it's not out yet, but it sounds really fun. I see your eyes light up every time you talk about it. It sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to playing it. Um, so, got a couple more things, and then we're going to close down because it's almost midnight here. <laughs> um, yikes. Yikes. Oh, no. Um <laughs> So I guess my my final two questions would be, as you know, um, because you live here, we had a house guest a few months ago. Oof. Uh, oof. Everyone, <laughs> everyone who knows this person collectively oof with me. Um, so one of the funny questions I thought I would ask you, and it, it can be a very brief answer because we don't want to be we don't want to be too mean. Uh, would sure. you ever consider letting this person play in a campaign? I'm gonna say this, and I'm probably gonna hurt people's feelings who I've told this now. Oh no! So here's what it comes down to: <clears throat> I <laughs> spend 15 seconds getting to know someone before I decide if I'm gonna play D and D with them. And very few people have broken out of that. And that sounds really mean, but there are just some people who see (laughs) and like, I'll give you an example of someone who isn't this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to a party with a friend uh, and she's very cute. Of course, she's a very beautiful young lady. Mm -hmm. I love spending time with her. And so we're at a party. We're platonically hanging out at this party and she splits off for a second to grab a beer or something. This dude walks up to me and he was like, Hey, uh, Dude, do you think you could put a good warden for me? Immediately knew in my head, not playing D&D with this dude ever. Oh, yeah, sounds like a skis bag. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. no, I don't think I'd let this person play with me, because <laughs> if you can't treat the house that you're staying at for free well, how can I expect you to treat my campaign well? I just... 
I know you have a lot of feelings, and this this topic is going to come up again, probably on your and uh, Lauren's <laughs> show as well. So I was just preempting that. I, I I just thought it would be a funny little question to ask you. Uh, well, I think that's enough for tonight. Um, thank you, Cyrus, again for coming to the tavern. We've really enjoyed talking to you and drinking with you. Um, I have one more thing to pimp. Ooh, all right, all right, well, I was going to give you an opportunity to uh, pimp real quick. So um, one more time, let us know about your podcast again. So it's going to be Vaguely uh, vaguely Ethnic Boys. Mm. Um, the kind of dudes who you look at and you know that if you're a Midwestern white girl, your dad might hate us. Gotcha. All right. And I'm looking forward to hearing your all's podcast as well. I'm really, really excited. But, yeah, pimp what you need to, man. Uh, so, I usually am not a big social media guy. You've known this about me for a long time. Of course. However, I want to get my D&D stuff out there, and I want to be able to share my world with people who especially don't have a lot of time to work on their own. Which is why you will be back on the show. Of course. Um, I'm always happy to be here. Um, well, you live here, so. <laughs> fair point. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for easy access to D&D world information, check out my Instagram, uh, DMPRecan. Oh, we got an Instagram pimp. That's All right. right. I don't have a whole lot of followers, but uh, I will say if you have any questions about my world, I'm going to post all the maps to it, lots of the notes. Just reach out to me. Ask me any questions you want about D&D stuff, and uh, I'm always down to talk about it because it's really my life's ambition. And that sounds a lot more sad coming out than it was in my head. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You haven't rolled for sadness yet. So we'll, we'll leave it up to the dice. So uh, next week, guys, we'll be talking about the new Star Wars trailer with Molly, my girlfriend, who knows absolutely nothing about the nuances of Star Wars. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. I know the trailer came out last night, but uh, I'm giving her a week. We're both going to watch the trailer. We're both going to take a couple notes. She's going to be really excited and talk about Princess Leia, and I'm going to tell her that, no, there are several other things we should look at. Um, again, Cyrus, do you, do you it's been great. Do you ship Raylo? Do I what? Do you ship Raylo? Look, we're not getting into that right now. Uh, you got to come back next week to find out, I guess. Um, again, guys, really, really excited. This is our first episode. Uh, Cyrus has been a good sport. We're sitting on my, my bed in my bedroom hopefully the goal is to actually find a space to record once this gets more popular uh thanks for listening and we will see you again when the tavern opens bye bye see ya <laughs>